Hey, today is January 9th, 2021. This is episode 104 of Back to Normal. So let's get started. Hello again and welcome back. This is actually the first time I've ever been late. I'm a day late recording this episode. Um, And as I'll get to in a few minutes, uh, when I talk about how work is going, there's a reason for that. And the reason is that I've just had a ton of work to do. Um, not not really a ton of work, I guess. But like the work that I've had to do has taken just a, it's like a full of tiny little details and just takes a ton of time. And uh, yeah, so like I said, we will definitely get into that. But first, there are a few things that happened this week that I just have to talk about. And obviously, in my notes, I just have the coup, obviously, um, because that just seems like the most obvious topic of potential conversation for the week. Um, I went back because honestly, I was sitting here and a lot of people were talking about how um, I heard the phrase several times, shocked, but not surprised. And while that term obviously fits, it made me think because I was like, I have, I have had these thoughts before. I have talked, I feel like I've thought and talked about um, potential violence coming from after the election, depending on what happens. And I thought back to myself, I think I've talked about there being a potential civil war in the U.S. as a result of this election, as a result of everyone being so polarized and heated. And fair enough, I went I went back into my archives for Back to Normal. And uh, way back, if you cast your minds backwards into September, um, I was talking. Uh, there's an episode, episode 33 from September 24th. Um, there's an entire episode called Civil War in the U.S. And I actually talk because, like I said, that's like five weeks pre-election. Um, I actually spend a lot of time talking about um, what a civil war in the U.S. would look like. And I actually spend a decent amount of time talking about um, what I think might happen if Trump had re- been reelected. And now, fortunately, we managed to avoid that scenario. Um, just like fortunately for the world, I don't like I have no personal stake in it. It's just it's just a positive force for the world that he will no longer be in power in a week and a half. Um, but it it just made me think like none of this is surprising. None of this is really I mean, it, it obviously is a shocking thing that it actually did happen, but it's not a shocking it's not shocking based on everything that's been leading up to this point. Like if you think of the very first time Donald Trump ever considered like strongly recently running for office back in 2011, I think it was when he ran for like a month or something and everyone laughed at him. Um, And then obviously again in 2015, if you think about that, this timeline, 2015, when he really, when he started his formal campaign, this for this past election, um, he immediately went on this long racist tangent and literally never stopped. And if you play that, that tape through this is so clearly the natural end game of his entire process. It was if he had won the or if he had sorry, not if he had won, if he had lost the last election in 2016, we would have had exactly this, except probably to a lesser extent, because um, obviously the campaign and and his followers and all that stuff, they've had just had four years to just grow and grow and and dig in their heels and build up weaponry and all of this stuff. Um, but it was inevitable from the moment that his followers latched on to him as, you know, this not a politician, always speaks his mind guy. It was a foregone conclusion that eventually 
if he got any power, he would use it to cause violence and like foment hatred. And yeah, I I just like, honestly, (laughs) everything I want to say is in episode 33 already. So I feel like I almost don't even need to say it. Um, But it, it it was so entirely predictable what was going to happen. And it it happened the way that it was always going to. Um, So, yeah, obviously terrible. But it seems like um, I hope that people like the FBI and National Guard are able to better protect the Capitol next time something like this is being planned in the open um, like this was. And there's already talk of um, January 17th. There being another similar series of events uh, at the U.S. Capitol and other Capitol buildings around um, the various United States. And then obviously the inauguration is a very clear and easy target for people potentially trying to plan something violent or uh, catastrophic. And so I honestly, at this point, Joe Biden seems like such a down to earth guy, like such a, a reasonable person that it honestly kind of feels like he should just cancel a celebration of the inauguration, like cancel a big event and just host like do it like a uh, wedding at city hall just get inaugurated do it like formally needs to be done but not do this big thing just to save people from the worry and potential of having to not um do this and then you know in six months or something have a party when everyone's been vaccinated it's a lot safer all that stuff i just i just see it still getting worse honestly that um coup attempt that run on uh the capitol building I see as the first step and and basically seeing how there were very few consequences from it and any consequences haven't really involved um, prison or anything so far. It's mostly been like if you've been if you were spotted there or took pictures there and posted them on social media, you might have lost your job. But like you're still like if anything, that's going to make you think you should do it more. The only hopeful thing that I've had that came out of this is that still Everything that Donald Trump has said about election fraud and all this stuff and, you know, how there's there's massive fraud and we have so much evidence of it. It's just a matter of time. They're not showing any of it. And so it's making I've seen a couple things. People people, his supporters being upset that it's like if you have the evidence, like show it. And that's what we've all been saying this whole time is like, (laughs) yeah, we're all fans of evidence. (laughs) Show us evidence of voter fraud. And the fact is, there is none. Um, and I like that the media is very specific and precise in that they have said there's no widespread voter fraud. There's nothing that would do anything to change any results of an election. I'm, they're not saying zero cases of voter fraud. They're saying there's not there's no systematic voter fraud. There's no widespread voter fraud. And that's the important point here. Um, I, th- I don't know that I've really seen. Um, obviously, there's a whole confirmation bias thing that goes into this, but I feel like I haven't really seen any um, any Democratic fraud cases even that have been sustained or have any evidence behind them. But I have heard of a few Republican ones, (laughs) which is just obviously, obviously there is. But um, again, it's like a handful and nothing systematic going on other than like nothing systematic with the voting, counting the votes or, or hiding votes or adding extra votes or anything. Obviously, there is a whole thing about gerrymandering and voter suppression that is horrific and things like some American citizens not having a vote for president um, and not having representation in Congress. It is that is a little sad, um, but it is what it is. And potentially now that obviously we haven't talked about yet, the Georgia runoff elections happened as well. And the Democrats both won, which is 
amazing and does show I actually read that the entire reason that Georgia has runoffs, um, which I completely believe the entire reason Georgia has runoffs is so that the, the theory goes that um, black people and black voters or minority voters um, are less good at organizing around a single candidate. And so the idea was basically you could split if, if you ended up splitting the white vote or if the black vote ended up split that have, it's not a, it's not a great theory because it kind of loses uh loses any semblance of of fitting in to um to what actually happened this time but the theory goes that if the votes are split at during like in the in the general election part that you go to this runoff and then the one white candidate that has survived the runoff is able to just easily stack up and run away with the victory. Obviously, the exact opposite of that happened this year um, with a black candidate, the first black senator from the South um, winning. And this is specifically because black organizers were so um, successful at getting like basically literally from grassroots because there's so much systemic racism in the South um, preventing black people from trying to organize and trying to successfully vote. Um, they were just so successful at it this time um, and in the general election and now in the runoff that they were able to push through all the systematic barriers and still win, which is just incredible to see. Um, I was very, very happy to see that that actually worked, not only for control of the Senate and control of the, you know, the levers of government, um, but just in general, just for that state itself to to be able to have a politician break through the systemic racism. And, and uh, yeah, that was really great to see. Um, so switching topics wildly here, I also wanted to talk about um, vaccine deployment, which I'm what I'm calling vaccine deployment chaos in Ontario for the last, I guess, only last week. Um, we've talked in past episodes, you and I, mostly me, um, about how I probably am not going to get a vaccine for a while in spite of being immunocompromised, but um, mostly in, in going along with the fact that I am able to, as a benefit of my job and my lifestyle, I'm able to just kind of stay home 99% of the time. I'll go out and get groceries, um, but I haven't been inside of a grocery store since March, which is like <laughs> coming up in a year. I'm like, I, do I really need to go back into one? It's so convenient picking up groceries. The only reason I would honestly really want to go um, is for things like fruits and vegetables that you want to know are in season. And, you know, every once in a while, it's a mild inconvenience when you order your groceries and they don't have something and they pick a substitute that's slightly different. Um, that's just not exactly what you wanted. But like, if you go to a grocery store and that thing is still not there, all you really gain is being able to make a, either a better choice or, um, you know, substitute rather than saying, oh, I want to substitute this for this, just substituting nothing. But you can kind of, you can kind of get along with that with, um, online grocery ordering. I highly recommend online grocery ordering, not, not just because it keeps you safe as the person picking up the groceries, but because Honestly, it feels way safer for grocery employees to not have potentially like 50 to 100 people in the grocery store getting groceries. And uh, yeah, yeah, like it's just obvious. Anyways, back to the vaccine because I went on a wild tangent. Um, I've now we've now heard yesterday that hospitals in Ottawa are running out of um, vaccine doses, which just seems crazy because we get like, what is it, 10? We've gotten 10,000 doses in uh, Ottawa so far, but I think the, it sounds like the entire province of Ontario has run out. I don't know if that means that we're not getting as many doses as quickly as we were supposed to be getting. Um, it's really hard to see, but obviously I think we're all just kind of in a holding pattern, just waiting to see what happens. And yeah, I am very 
intrigued to see how vaccine deployment goes because we're supposed to be just getting more and more and more vaccines. Uh, There's talk about, you know, countries like the U.S., countries like Canada um, at the current pace of vaccines. We are it's going to take like a decade to vaccinate everybody. But obviously, that's not the pace that we're going to have forever. That's this is a very short term pace as a ramping up production and being able to send more vaccines to more countries. Um, but it does seem I'm, I'm hearing stories all around like vaccine hesitant hesitancy and vaccine um, false information is just everywhere, apparently. And I can't imagine who is like because it has to be a profit thing, right? Like, how can it I don't understand what people who are spouting misinformation about the vaccine are talking about. I just don't understand. And I've tried to to learn about it, and it just doesn't seem like there's any kind of substance there that that is understandable by anybody. But obviously, it's happening, so it's hard to really it's hard to really say. But um, what I have been hearing is that some people, the the most kind of convinced people, are basically impossible to convince otherwise. Like you can't convince people who believe the vaccine is going to harm you that it won't. Um, but that there are a lot of people sitting kind of on the fence. They're they're hesitant, um, and that those people are quite persuadable with actual evidence to uh to believe that the that obviously things are fine with the vaccine and that it's way better to take it and not risk getting that the the virus than it is to risk getting something from the vaccine because the vaccine side effects are just so so rare and the prevalence of mild to severe covid is so so high <laughs> it's just yeah i I'm very looking forward to getting a vaccine. I heard somebody somebody on Twitter proposed the idea um similar to airlines where you can you can fly standby they pr- proposed having like a standby vaccine line basically you can go to a clinic obviously there's there's issues here with um with capacity and that stuff um but where you could uh, capacity and, and distancing i mean um but where you could go to a clinic and basically stand outside in line in the clinic and if they have extra doses that left at the end of the day or whatever it is that they, that can't go back into the freezer that you can just <laughs> get one i love that idea and i would so do that um i would stand out there every day um, I was talking, I think it was in the last episode, I was talking about how I would go, um, if I was able to get a vaccine, if they basically told me you have 15 minutes to get here, you have to drive across town, I would speed and fly to get there because it's just so important. Um, yeah, vaccines are super important. We're going to get there and I can't wait for it. Uh, the last thing I want to wrap up with is just how work is going. So um, coming back after 10 days off, I did do a little bit of work most days um, with the obvious exception of Christmas and New Year's and that kind of thing. Um, I did do a little bit of work on developing the macro that I've been working on, the the way to vote for a discovery grants competition. And but it has really hit the ground running. It is ramping up in speed and um intensity. Now that January is back, we're a month away. Competition will be started in like three weeks, three and a half weeks. Um yeah, the project has really ramped up in scope and in size, and I'm very <laughs> it's it's gonna be so funny. So uh, my colleague that that actually spearheaded development to the macro um, in IT has been on vacation. He took this past week off and also the last week before Christmas off. So he's basically almost three weeks out from uh, of the progress. And there's been so much that's changed in the last three weeks that it's so funny. Um, and I have I have done a bunch of the work um, where we're doing some more testing and stuff over the next few weeks just to make sure that everything is really smoothed out. And um, yeah, I am going to have so much fun on Monday and Tuesday 
just catching up with him and talking about what's happened because it's just taken off. Uh, it's really hilarious. Um, I am really, really remembering and finding why I love programming so much. It's so fun taking a problem and breaking it down into component parts, fixing it and putting it back together. Um, it's just been so rewarding and so fun. And I'm really looking forward to getting to continue to do it as this project progresses. Um, I have noticed on the downside of the work thing that I'd, uh, I'm, I'm finding really hard. I, I don't, I have never burned out before. I've never had burnout and I don't think I have it now. I keep saying that, but I am wondering, I feel like there's a spectrum of burnout. You don't like one day wake up and you're like, oh, I am burnt out. But, um, I felt like warning signs of it. And the one thing that I'm really feeling most of all is I've never had any real, um, symptoms or anything of repetitive strain injury. Um, but yesterday for the first time, maybe not the first time, like yesterday was by far the worst that I've ever felt what felt like RSI. And it was really just a sore wrist. Um, but it made me really think twice. Like now I'm going to probably over next week, I'm going to alternate between using a mouse and using a trackpad. Um, I've got a trackpad for windows and basically just to prevent um, any kind of repetitive strain injury. So changing up the the way that I'm using tools, um, getting rid of the repetition, and hopefully avoiding the strain and the injury. Um, so all that being said, there's about, yeah, like I said, three and a half weeks until competition. And once competition is done, everything should kind of smooth back out again. I think we'll be okay. Um, but for in between now and then is when I'm the most worried about this potentially um, manifesting. Uh, both the burnout potential and the RSI potential. Um, I do think that this week might actually be the worst of all the weeks in terms of busyness, in terms of actual like, it's not that it's been busy. Like people say they're busy because they have like a day full of meetings, but that that is a different kind of busy than like I have been hardcore, like grinding out, um, basically brute forcing all these things to get done. And most of them are very heavy manipulation with keyboard and mouse and heavily involved like thinking at every stage. And I think that we might be through that, the worst of that this week. Um, although that remains to be seen, who knows? It actually could potentially be even worse, like in the week, the last week of January, but we'll see. Um, anyways, this has been a super long episode. I don't want to take any more uh, time out of my day. Um, and I don't want to sit at the computer for much longer. So with all that being said, I want to thank you for listening. And I will be back next week, hopefully on time, depending on what happens next Friday morning. Yeah, I, did I even mention we're, we're a day late again? Uh, actually, we're a day late for the only time I've ever missed an episode when I intended to publish an episode that day um, is when my son was born. And I published an episode that day, but not the following day. And um, having said that, this episode is a day late because I said I would publish on Fridays. Today's a Saturday. I'm going to allow it. You know what? I had a hard week. I'm fully going to allow it. So I will talk to you next week. And I hope you enjoy your weekend. Thanks very much for listening. Bye.